There we go. Okay, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 this evening. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. As always, it is an honor to preach the Word of God at any point in time, and I appreciate Pastor Weigel giving me this opportunity. Um, just uh, continue to be in prayer um, for him. Um, let's just get right into it. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. I want to speak on the topic of carnal Christianity. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1, and I'm going to read through verse 10. It says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For one will while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. So he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For ye, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Let's pray, and we will get into the message tonight. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to preach the word, Lord. I pray that as I give this message, Lord, that um, we would all be aware that we need to live in the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, and the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Help me, Lord, to just speak the words that you would have me to speak, Lord, and just... Um, Help this message to speak to hearts, myself included, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I began kind of reading this passage. The Lord just gave it to me this week as, we were, as I was getting ready to preach. Um, and I just began to think, what, what is, like, specifically, what is carnal Christianity? So, many times we hear that and we automatically think of, you know, maybe something, some terrible sin. So I, I thought, I started to think, and we start to, many times when we read through passages on different sins, whatever it may be, whether it's something that God hates, or whether it's abominations, or whether it's, you know, so, whatever it may be, we, we read through passages on idolatry, and we try and make application to today's world. Many times we look at sins of the world, or we look at the sins that the world does, or sins that other people do, and we think, oh yeah, they're talking about them. So we'll see idolatry, and we'll think, oh yeah, they're talking about someone that's, you know, on their phone all day, or that's someone, you know, that does nothing but, you know, talk about sports or talk about fishing. And believe me, I love sports. I don't love fishing as much. But believe me, that, that there are many times where people, you may identify those things specifically. You know, or you start to talk about things that God hates, th things that tear apart. We talk about alcohol and drugs and immorality and things like that. But many times I think when we talk about sins like that, we fail to identify the sins that we struggle with. In this sense, so we talk about carnal Christianity, right? And we think about, you know, living for the flesh, and we, talk, we would probably talk about a lot of those same things we just mentioned, alcohol, drugs, immorality. And we fail to mention things that Christians today struggle with, whether it be politics, the news, you know, this world and the system and what we're going through. And we just went through an inauguration this week, this past week. And many times, those things consume our thoughts and our minds, and we're just as carnal as the person that struggles with alcohol, drugs, immorality. But we don't identify it as such. As in this, like, we, 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 we look to those things for our hope. We look to those things for our guidance. And we, as Christians, we need not do that. 
The Apostle Paul here goes to the church at Corinth and he talks to me. He says, I can't even speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal babes in Jesus Christ. He said he was trying to give them the meat of the word, but they weren't able to take it. They could just barely handle the milk of the word. And so he kept having to go back to the same things over and over again that they were struggling with. And many times I see it in my own life where the, the, the sins that you, I, I'll hear a message sometime on idolatry or carnality or whatever it is, and I, don't, I, I, I even fail to identify the things in my own life. And many times Christians were so quick to look at, oh yeah, the world does this, the world does that. No, this is written to a church. He's talking about a church that was so worldly focused. Carnality speaks to things of the flesh. Well, so what is that? That stuff outward, that stuff we can see, that's not living by faith. We heard it this morning. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. So when you look at, we'll use the example because it seems to be a hot issue in America today, politics. Who are you trusting in for the state of America? If you're trusting in the White House as opposed to God, you're, you're wrong. And that goes for no matter who is in office, whether it be the president that just got elected out or the incoming president. It doesn't matter who you stand for. Are you carnally focused on that as your answer? Many times we'll spend hours and hours a day on social media or in the news or whatever it is, and we spend five, ten minutes in the Word of God. I've heard statistics where the Christian spends five, ten minutes a week in prayer, you know, ten minutes a day in the Word, but we'll spend hours flipping through, you know, the Facebook and the Fox News. And trust me, it's about every day, it's pretty much the same thing. And every day, it's just as depressing. And we could so many times get caught up in that, and now all of a sudden we're not living by faith, we're living by the flesh. Oh no, what's going to happen here? You know, this just got passed, or this law just got passed. Where are we? You're living in carnality. And so many times it's so easy to get caught up to it. The, when God talks about returning to sin, there's, the, the, there's a verse in the book of Proverbs that I think of, and the Bible says in Proverbs 26, 11, it says, as a dog returneth to its vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. We go back to the same things over and over again and get the same and same results. I, th- there's a, I think someone said at one time the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And as Christians, we go back to the same things over and over again and expect a different result. And the Apostle Paul says, for ye are yet carnal. That was the way he described the church at Corinth. So, for many of us today, the struggles are, like I said, the phone, social media. You know, we're, we, I, I, many times Christians are so quick to get angry at other Christians on social media. And the, the Bible, it's just, we, we lash out and we say angry, hurtful, mean things on the internet that do not call, bring forth Jesus Christ in our hearts that do not show Jesus Christ to a world that's dying and going to hell. Eight, almost eight billion people in the world today. And we're so busy, every time someone posts something that we don't like on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, Twitter, we tweet back with this whatever. And it's like, how does that help Jesus Christ? Bible says in Proverbs 26, and I think it's important to remember this when we think about our own lives. It says, in back-to-back verses, it says, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou be like him unto him. And then verse 5, it says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. And I think the important thing when realizing this is to see the difference between the two situations. One is, an answer, is to answer someone, and the other one is to not answer him. Well, what would cause you to have to answer him? Well, think about these things. Where's your heart in the matter? Galatians 6.1 says to restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. Are you humbly going to that person? 
So I would tell you if your first instinct is to put a reply on Facebook where everyone sees it and you're blasting somebody, that would be an unspiritual response. The Bible says in Matthew 4 when it talks about someone taking in a fault in the church, you go to them one-on-one and you privately talk to them. So there's this, and that's just one instance. There's so many others that we can probably think of today in this world where we see carnality, right? Where we put other things instead of godly things first. Hold up a second. This thing came off and it's like flopping all over the place. Hopefully that helps. Okay. So as we go through, I want to look at, I'm going to look at three different steps. And the first thing I want to look at is the problem with carnality. And I think the first thing problem with carnality is that it hinders growth. So it hinders growth in our own lives. We, when we're carnal, I'm going to end up taking this thing off because it's really starting to flop all over the place. It's like, okay. Works until you need it, then it's in the way. Okay, there we go. Okay, so it hinders growth. When we get busy talking about other people's problems instead of our own, we're, that's, a first, that's a sure sign we're becoming carnal. Matthew chapter 7, verse 3. Let's flip over there, actually. I want to read this verse, and we'll probably start at the beginning of the chapter and read through verse 3. It says in Matthew chapter 7, it says, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, the beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote of thy brother's eye. So, what is the situation here? Now, once again, this is not talking about if you see someone clearly stuck, stuck in a sin and, you, and, you're, and you're going to, there to spiritually by yourself. No, this is someone casting judgment upon someone else when, for, for no other reason than to cast judgment, to look down on them in a spirit of pride. When we, when we get stuck in carnality, we begin to puff ourselves up. Well, the Bible says in Philippians, to esteem each other better than ourselves. And to look not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. Jesus Christ was constantly focused on others. He was always focused on how he could help others. And when we look to ourselves and try and puff ourselves up with pride, that's a surefire sign that we're becoming carnal. And our growth spiritually, our relationship with God is hindered because of it. When we get stuck in this state of being carnal... And it hinders growth. Like it says in the verse, it says, Brethren, I cannot speak unto you as a spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. See, the, the carnal person can't take the spiritual meat. It can only take the milk of the word, because the, 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 the growth isn't there. And so many times in our own life, we'll come to church, we'll, you know, put a smile on, we'll live our daily lives, but we're not growing. And why is that? Because, like I said before, many times we are focused on the wrong things. We'll spend hours and hours a day doing fill-in-the-blank, and we'll spend minutes a day in prayer. We've, we've heard it, Pastor Anthony's mentioned it several times. I'm just going to take this thing off because it is totally bothering me. So it's going to go away. Okay, yeah, it's, it keeps flopping off, and it's just not good. So we'll spend 
we'll, we'll, you know, we, the Christian life is a relationship. That's what we've said. Pastor Anthony many times has said that. It's a daily walk with the Lord, right? So we'll live our lives many times like it's a quick fill-up at a gas station. And we'll get it however often you get your gas. I, I, I live pretty close to church, so I get probably once every other week. But you can't live a Christian life like that. You can't get it once and then be good for three weeks. That's not, how, that's not how a relationship works. Many times people will talk about Christianity as a religion. I think it's one of the great things about Christianity is it's not. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if we're living our lives like it's a religion, we're going to come to church on Sunday, we'll come to church on Sunday night, Wednesday night, come to the events that happen, you know, once in a while. And that's it. And for the rest of the week, our Bible sits on the shelf, and our relationship with God does as well. Well, I can tell you this. Take someone you love in your life, whether it be a spouse, a family member, a child, and talk to them once every week for five minutes. And make it really shallow. Hey, how's it going? Give me this, give me this, give me this. Then hang up. And then come back next week, give me this, give me this, give me this. Or I need this, I need this. And then hang up. And in a month, see where the relationship is. I can tell you it's not going to be in a very good place. But even in my own life, many times, I struggle. You know, Pastor Anthony said it. You can read the Bible for hours. And then when it comes to praying, it's like, you know, Lord, answer this request, amen, and you're, you're done. That's not really, that's, that's about as one-sided a relationship as it gets. And salvation is always going to be one-sided because of how much Christ gave up to establish that, and we give him nothing. So we need, if we're going to be spiritually driven, we need to be growing as Christians. So if you, if you look at your relationship with God and you say, you, you say, I'm all right, you very well could be in an issue where you're becoming carnal, and you might, want, you might want to check where your relationship is. And the second thing it does is it, cause, it hinders growth, but it also causes division. Verse 3, For ye are yet carnal, whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions. Are ye not carnal and walk as men? See, when there's carnality in church, there's division in church. Because back to the first half of it, it hinders growth, so you're not growing spiritually, so now the small things bother you. They said, how could they sit in my seat? I've been sitting in that seat for 25 years. Don't they know? And then the other thing I, you, it usually causes, it'll cause gossip. You see, so-and-so sat in my seat. I, you know, this and that. Or, many times it causes gossip. It just does. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 8, the words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down in the innermost parts of the belly. When, when you're struggling with carnality, gossip just kind of starts. If you're spiritually following the Lord and staying close with Him, gossip is like, you're, it's an alarm in your head, and you are taking off in the opposite direction. Or, you say to that person, oh, I didn't know that that happened. Why don't we go try and make that right with the other brother or sister in Christ? Because when we're following after Jesus Christ, we, don't, we have a good relationship with God, and, and as, an out, as an outpouring of that, we have a good relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because the Bible says you can't say I love God and hate your brother. 
So those two things don't go together. So when we start having carnality come into our lives, and this could be anything. This could be, you could have had a close relationship with God for the last three years. Every day, you're faithfully reading and praying, and you're in the Word. And then all of a sudden, it's like out of left field, you get hit with either a trial or a difficulty or just a bad week where you're not in the Word every day. And then all of a sudden, small things start to pop up where the small things get, you know, someone cuts you off on the road and you're getting mad at them and your first instinct is to chase them down on the highway. <laughs> or, you know, someone says something to you and they didn't even mean it as a hurtful thing, but now all of a sudden you're angry at a brother or sister in Christ and now, before you know it, you've slipped into this state of carnality. And it's such a dangerous thing. In church, when Christians are angry at one another because now you have divisions and fighting and all of those things were going on in the church of Corinth. If you read the book of 1 Corinthians, there were a lot of issues. But most of the issues they had stemmed from this. They were carnal. And so, the, 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 the counteracting to the, the gossip and the division is Proverbs 26, 20 says, where, there, where no wood is, the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. So, I would, I would add something to that, that those that listen to the talebearer are like the gasoline on the fire. Because you're helping spread that fire. So, yeah, they may light the match, but you're now pouring gasoline on it, trying to, like, just adding to stokes to the flame. And so, if we want to end that kind of attitude spirit, just don't put up with it. Say, I'm sorry, I don't, I, I don't need to hear that or... I'm just, I, I, I think we should, you know, if, if, there, if it's a serious sin, I think we should pray for that brother, or I think you, sh you should try and get that reconciled with him or her. And that's, that's an important thing, because point number one is the problem with carnality. I think we see very clearly that there is a major problem. And number two is the pride with carnality. And, though, I... I, I got stuck with Pastor Anthony's alliteration, and this is the first word that came to mind, is that it creates cliques or camps. And what do I mean by that? Look at verse number four. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? You know what they were doing? They were, they were so carnal that they, they bunched up in the church. You know, this group said, oh, yeah, Paul led me to Christ. I'm of Paul, you know. This group was like, no, I'm of Apollos, man. He is a really good preacher. And they began fighting over who their favorite pastor or preacher was. And both were trying to do the same thing. Both Paul and Apollos were trying to win them to the Lord and trying to encourage and minister to them. But they were so carnal that they were arguing about that. So, you know, obviously, you know, it... <laughs> What is it in your life that causes you to get stirred up like that or causes you to group up? Is there something in your life like that? And if there is, it might be an issue just with carnality where you're starting to, that little bit of, because all Satan is looking for, all he's looking for is a crack. He can get into your life, a little wedge. And once he gets it in there, he'll, it's like, you know, when you get that, that chisel and you're trying to get something broken up, right? Always looking for that little wedge to wedge it in there, and then he's going to take that hammer, and boom, and it's going to splinter and open up. And now all of a sudden he's in your life, and he's all over it. All he's looking for is that little wedge where he can put himself into your life. 
And if you give him even that inch, he's, he's on a simple mission. It's to seek and to destroy. That's all he's trying to do. So when we get, get mixed up in carnality, he's now, he's now in your life. And now he's looking for a way to destroy it. And sure, it may start with something really small. Someone said or did something or, you know, like I said, maybe you had a bad week. Maybe something, maybe something bad, truthfully sad happened in your life. Maybe you lost a loved one or someone's, you know, you lost someone close to you. And, 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 and you know, you're struggling with your relationship with God. Or maybe somebody did something to hurt you at work or even in church. Don't let, don't, the Bible says, neither give place to the devil. It talks about it in Ephesians chapter 4. Don't give any place to him because all he's looking for is just a little crack in the door. And once he gets it, he is coming in. And he is coming in for one thing and one thing only. I think the Bible says in John chapter 10, the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, or to destroy. That's all he's coming for. He's coming for you. And if he can get you out of church, or if he can get you angry at the church, or if he can get you away from God, the Bible talks about Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It's talking about how, you know, lest when I've preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. He's like, you know, I'm in ministry, but if I... You know, he goes, I buffet my body, I keep, I keep it in subjection. Why? Because if you give place to the flesh, this is what begins to happen. Envying, strifes, divisions start to happen. And now all of a sudden, small things, things that don't even matter, become major issues in your life. And now before you know it, Satan's, you know, he's not just in your house, he's throwing a party in your life. Destroying everything that you have in your relationship with God. He's destroying it. Because that's all he wants to do. The second thing it does is it creates strife. Like I said, when, it, when camps or groups or cliques come, the next natural reaction is strife. Because, you know, one group says, I'm of Paul, the Paulus, and now they're fighting about it. And I love in verse 6, Paul tries to weather the storm. He says, I have planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. We were talking about it during the discussion panel today in Romans chapter number 8. I mean, all of the victories in our life come only because of Jesus Christ. How he works all things together to good for who? For them that love God, for them that are called. Why? Because he wants us to be conformed in the image of his son. Because he wants us to draw closer to him. All of, you know, all of the defeats that we have are failures because we start to look to ourselves. We start to get prideful or we start to get we start to lack the faith, right? Because our daily walk with God, our salvation and our life, it's all about faith. If you really think about it, I, I love that verse. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. And I don't think I really understood the meaning of that till college. There was a man who came in and preached a message, a pastor in California. And it was one of the most powerful messages I've ever heard in my life. And he's literally on that one phrase, for without faith, it is impossible to please him. You cannot please God without faith. And that's, that's, that's our walk. Because what's the, what's the opposite to faith? Faith is what we can see, what we can touch. Things for the flesh, carnal. When we live by faith, we can't live carnally. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. See, when you live by faith, you now please God. You're now trusting in God. And because you're trusting in God, completely, totally, 100%, you can't be living for the flesh in contrast to that. 
is they just don't work. They don't, they don't work together. And so, first off, I, like I said, the, we have the problem with carnality. And we talked about it hindering growth, causing division. We have the pride in carnality, how it creates cliques, which causes strife. And all of that's based in pride. Oh, yeah, I'm of Paul. Oh, yeah, I'm of Apollos. You know, so many times in Christianity, you know, we hold up our, you can say whatever it is. Put it in your group, right? That, that preacher that we love or, you know, that person that we voted for. And we almost hold that higher up than Jesus Christ himself. Here's, the, here's a question for you. Do people know something about you more than they know that you're a Christian? And that can be anything. Do they know, oh yeah, he loves listening to this preacher, or he loves this person, or man, I don't have any questions about who he voted for in November. And listen, that's all fine, but do they know you're a Christian? Because if they don't, we have it all backwards, right? We, we have it all turned around. That should be our focus, is God and faith in him. And if we focus on that, the other things will all fall into place. The Bible says, be careful for nothing. Well, that means to be full of care. How can we be careful for nothing? Well, the second half of the verse tells us. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. If you're worried about what might happen in our country, pray about it. Go to God. Ask him to give you comfort and peace in the situation that's going on. If you're having difficulty with the situation with a family member or a friend or a difficult person that you have trouble dealing with, go to God about it. Don't put it on your shoulders. Put it on his. He is there for a reason. I, I, Pastor Anthony, you know, once again, I'm not, not stealing all his quotes, but he went to Hebrews 4.12 today, and I love that verse. Go boldly to the throne of grace. We can boldly approach the throne of Jesus Christ. We, that, we sang that in our song this, this morning, and can it be... Bold, I approach the eternal throne. Do you boldly go to God? God gives you that option to go to him redeemed boldly to give all requests to him. His shoulders are big enough to bear them. Come unto me, all that labor are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That was Jesus Christ himself that said that. You go to him, he will find, you'll find your rest. One of my favorite hymns is Like a River Glorious. The chorus goes, stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed. Finding, as he promised, perfect peace and rest. He can give that to you. This world cannot give you peace. As Christians, I'm saying that, yes, because so many times that's where we go. We go to worldly things to find peace that only God himself can give us. So where, where is, you know, are you struggling with it? You know, the problem with carnality, I didn't throw it in there, but the problem and the pride is, is it blinds us to it. Pride is like, is like one of the all-time top blinders. When you're prideful, you don't see it. You're, I'll tell you, if you want to know if you're prideful or not, ask everybody that you associate with. Ask friends, family, those you work with. They'll tell you. But if you want if, if you, a more you know, private way to deal with it, start thinking and talking about and praising the Lord in everything you say and do. Find reasons to put other people above yourself. I think about the fact that when Christ, you know, we're serv we, we, the Bible talks about it a lot. We're servants of Jesus Christ. A servant doesn't have, you know, a name, recognition, pro, you know, fame, all of those things, right? A servant, there was a, there was a preacher, that, a, a preacher mentor of mine that told me this. A servant is someone who sacrifices himself for the success of someone else. 
That was his definition of it. And now that was a great definition because here's the truth. You know, if you're in your workplace, right, and you have a boss, you know, an immediate boss, obviously the company's got an owner and everything else, you know, live, your, do, live in your workplace to, as to do two things. One, to make your boss look as good as they can. And two, to make Jesus Christ look as good as he can. Because you're not there to make a name for yourself. You're there to promote Jesus Christ above all else. And one way you can do that is by making your boss look good. Because if your boss looks good, truthfully, you, you, your job will look good as well. But don't do it to promote yourself. You do it to promote yourself, you know, the first time someone lies about you or deceit, you're going to get angry. And then you're going to get mad and bitter and then carnally again. You see, you see where it goes. If you look to sacrifice yourself, as, you know, someone who works in the school here, you know, I try, you know, I try every chance we get, you know, I get to preach several times. You know, my job is to promote Jesus Christ to these kids, to show them, to give them an education, yes, but to show them Jesus Christ. And if I'm focused about myself, if I, you know, if I get, if I get in the flesh or if I get upset or if I get angry at somebody, that's not Jesus Christ. That's not the love of Christ to them. And so we see the problem with carnality. We see the pride in carnality. And lastly, we see the power against carnality. And this is where it gets exciting because this, uh, it, I promise you I did not plan this with the discussion panel in mind, but it goes to number, my first point is realize who it is that gives the increase. I have planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. It is neither, so that, so that neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now the he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. You, you have nothing to do with someone getting saved. I, I, sh I shouldn't say nothing, but your job is to water is to give the word to people, and it is God's job to save them. That's what that verse is saying. Someone witnessed to you, yes, but was the Holy Spirit's conviction on your heart that ultimately led you to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so what he's saying here is, you know, you, you can get prideful, you know, start, you know, what's one temptation is, you know, if, you, if you're leading people to Jesus Christ, is to start counting almost as notches, right? I, I think of that in this situation, you know, like, Oh, yeah, you know, I, I, I led 10 people to the Lord this week. Well, you may have helped lead them there, but it is God who gave that increase, right? And the Bible talks about some 30-fold, some 60, some 100. I, I truly believe some of the greatest people in heaven may be those that, you know, may have led 10 people to the Lord in their life. But you know what they did all their lives? They watered. They were faithful waterers of the word. What does that mean? They were out there, you know, giving the word to someone at work, giving it to the gas station attendant, everyone they came in contact with, their doctor. They're, they're, they're constantly giving. And they may not have seen the increase, but that doesn't mean anything less of them. This is why it's not a fleshly thing, because it's not about what you do. It's about who you serve. What, what, are we, what, are, what is our job as Christians? It's to glorify God. It is ultimately to glorify God. And we do that by sharing the word of God. We should do it by, by you know, establishing a relationship with him and being really close to him because when we do those things, what? When we're at work, when we're you know, out in the public place, when we're doing all of those things, we can share God with them. That is one way we glorify God. And so if we're focused on glorifying God, he'll give the increase. And then when we're focused on glorifying God, this you know, who's better, who did this. Those, that stuff just doesn't matter. 
Because we're all rejoicing. I love it. So then he that watereth and he that planteth are one. Right? So, you know, you, have, you, you may have been witnessing to someone for six months and then someone else comes along and leads them to the Lord. Both those people can rejoice in having an impact in that person's life. That, you know, you may not have been there when that person got saved, but you had a part in it. Your faithfulness matters. And that's, the, that, that's where it's so key, is that, you know, we're not talking specifically about soul winning here, but that is a major way where this plays out. You know, you may have witnessed to someone for 20 years, a family member, and someone else led them to the Lord. I promise you, you probably wouldn't be angry about that. <laughs> Your reaction would be excitement, joy. When you got that phone call, hey, I got saved. There's, no, there's nothing more exciting than that. But you, you may think, well, I didn't lead him to the Lord. No, you didn't. But you know, your faithfulness, your constant witness, your, your love for God made a difference. So don't, don't get caught up in all the petty, carnal things of this life. Trust, live, and focus on God, and he takes care of everything else. That's, that's what that verse shows, is that, you know, the fruit, the other things matter. So, the letter B is to work together as believers. Once we see that we're the ones who don't deserve the credit, our next step should become, how can we work together? Verse 9, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wide master, but I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereupon. Now let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. What does that mean? Well, the foundation of our faith is Jesus Christ. And like it says, we are laborers together with God. We're building towards something. What are we building, though? Are we building like the wise man upon the rock? Are we building upon Jesus Christ? Or are we building on our own foundation? And when the winds come and the difficulties come, it's going to just knock over. Because the next verse is talk about how we can store up treasures in heaven towards the end that when we're, done, when we're done with our life, we have rewards to cast back towards God. We have fruit to give. And so, work together as believers. John 13, 34 and 35 says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved ye, you. Um, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. How's your love towards one another as believers? This is something that, you know, sometimes is tough. <laughs> we don't, you know, personalities sometimes don't mix well. But you still have a command to love that person as a brother or sister in Jesus Christ. You, you know, it's just, it's simple. When we live for God, when we live for Jesus Christ, a lot of these issues of carnality and fleshliness go away if we just focus on what really matters and we live in faith. Is there someone that you do not love like God loved? Is there anyone who, in your opinion, isn't deserving of your love? Is there anyone who has wronged this is the truth. Is there anyone who has wronged you worse than you wronged God? And is there anyone not deserving of your forgiveness? And I ask that last question with this in mind. Are you deserving of God's forgiveness? The truth is, as we go through, when, we, when, you, when you're starting to live in the spirit, a lot of the issues of the flesh go away. Because now you're focused on your relationship with God. So now you can forgive. 
Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. He forgave you everything. He erased your entire debt. You know, I think about that parable when he talks about the, the king or the ruler who forgave the massive debt, the one that would take lifetimes to pay. And he said, you can go away. You are forgiven of that debt. And the man turned around and walked up to someone who owed him pennies and said, I'm not going to forgive you. I'm throwing you in jail. And he turned around and did that. That's what we do. Christ forgave every sin for every person who ever lived, and then we can't forgive each other when someone wrongs us. That's so simple. It's such a simple thing, and it's something that we struggle with many times. And so, who, like, just who do, you, who do you need to forgive? And then lastly, build upon Christ. When we build upon this foundation, it's, it's incredible. Things, things, things go forward for God. God is blessed. People are saved. The church grows. You know, it could be numerically, it could be spiritually, it could be both. But God is glorified ultimately through all of it. And that is the awesome thing about it, is that when we, we, when we live in the flesh, we're never too far away from God's love. He loves us. He wants us to come back. It says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. That's a promise guaranteed. If you are struggling with something and you go back to God, he is right where you left him. He will come right back and restore that relationship. Once again, pulling from another parable, it's when that prodigal son came home. It wasn't like the, the, the father said, uh, go clean the barn out. You know, you were gone for six years. You've got to make up all your chores. No, he hugged him. He kissed him when he was filthy, dirty, had been working with pigs for months. You know, he wasn't clean. He had taken a long journey. I can't imagine he had much in the way of clothing or things to shower and cleanse himself. So he got back. He was filthy. And, God, and, that, and that, that dad said, come here. He gave him a hug. He said, put the best clothes on him. Put the best robe on him. Give him my, my ring, which was his signet saying, you are a part of this family. He recognized him and brought him back. And there was no conditions upon which he had to do it. That is the love of God for us. When you go back to him, if you've been living in the flesh, living in sin, living for yourself, you can go back just as you are and God will clean you up himself you don't have to clean up first. That's the best part about it. Come to God and he'll clean you up. And it could be something small. Like I said, it could be sins inside. It could be bitterness. It could be anger. It could be frustration with something. Confess it to him. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then you can begin living in the spirit. I, I love how, like I said, how first how I had this passage in 1 Corinthians and then we did the discussion panel in Romans 8. Because they go hand in hand. Once you get this all taken care of and you, you confess your sins and get it right with God, Romans 8 is like the best, one of the, it's one of my favorite passages. I love the chapter. And it talks about all of this. There is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. When you live in the Spirit of Jesus Christ, you can live victoriously. There is nothing that can ever separate you from the love of God. And you can live victoriously. You can be a conqueror through Jesus Christ. All of those things come once you confess and get this right. So, what is something that you're struggling with? This, this, this kind of hit home to me because there's a lot of times something I struggle with that I'm not even realizing I'm struggling with. It could be an attitude. It could be a heart issue. But then God starts to work in your life. And he starts to show that you can get, you can get victory. There is victory to be had in Jesus Christ. I love 1 Corinthians um, 1557 where it says thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ and the next verse says be steadfast unmovable always bounding in the work of the Lord it's like you get victory and then be, be steadfast in the Lord it's just one right to the other There's, 
You can, you can get victory today. So are you struggling with carnality? And if you are, it can be something big. It can be something really, really small. If you are, get it right. And then move forward in the victory that Jesus Christ gives. Thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you for all that you've done, Lord. I thank you for victory that you give through Jesus Christ, Lord. I pray that as we go through our lives, as I go through my life, Lord, that I would choose to live by the faith that, Lord, that, you, that, just, that you've given me, Lord, through Jesus Christ, the victory you've given me through Christ. Lord, I pray if there's anything in anyone's heart that might even start smelling like carnality, if there's any fleshly tendencies or desires, Lord, that you would just help that person to get victory over it. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.